Hi, we're Grace and Clara, here to shake up the world of women's health. We know firsthand how intimidating it can be to speak up when it comes to issues like your menstrual cycle or menopause. That's why we created Unprocessed, a weekly podcast where we dive into every aspect of women's health, from mental well-being to physical nutrition. We're here to ask the burning questions and encourage us all to advocate for ourselves. So get ready for some smart, cheeky and witty discussions about all things women's health. Welcome back to Unprocessed, guys. It's Grace and Clara in your ears. We have a fabulous episode with you today because we sit down with Shay from The Good Night Co. and talk about all things sleep. But before we dive into the episode, Clara, I have a question for you. How tired are you? I feel like I swear a a lot on this podcast. (laughs) I'm blooming tired is what I am. Yes, it's a baby, but, you know, I was thinking about this the other day and I think I was reading an article around mums don't own being tired and I agree with that. When I was working a lot um, and, you know, especially early in my career and you're doing all hours and I was doing something called press passing at one point, which is literally watching paper dry coming out of a press at all hours of the night. Yeah, I did it for two and a half months and I almost went crazy. I, I, you know, I think we live as tired people these days. I've been thinking though, because I feel tired. I was wondering the other day, is everyone else feeling like this or is this just me? Am I low in iron? Do I need more protein? Like I was like, maybe it's just me, but it seems like everyone's feeling it. Yeah. So again, another article I was reading is 2023 is the year of fatigue. And I agree. Yep. So COVID fatigue. Fatigue. No, and this is this is it, right? So we've come off the back of COVID mm-hmm. where we've spent two years in lockdown, in an hour lockdown. In terms of work, we've probably had highs and lows, but there's times where you've probably had, you know, almost company shutdowns. You've been going, you know, you've started to work from home. You kind of got into a rhythm. You stopped seeing people because you've been, you know, sitting at home. <laughs> so you weren't able to go out. You weren't able to socialise. And then last year we kind of got ourselves into it and then 2023, bang, Mm. social calendars are back. You know, people are doing the school runs again. People are, um, you know, going out, socialising all the time. I think in our heart of hearts we're not quite there yet. We don't, we kind of liked COVID days Mm. and, and people are trying to put so much back into their lives that I think people are fatigued. And also in the article, which I thought was really interesting, is it's not just around, you know, actual fatigue, it's fatigue of the world, all the different disasters that are going on. So, you know, COVID was a big one and obviously we were hit with that. Now we've got the war in the Ukraine and we've got Russia and the aggression of Russia. Then we've got, you know, um, the flu and the flu pandemic that's going on at the moment. Where I grew up went completely underwater. There was a massive flood. And there was bushfires, so there's the natural disasters as well. There's the change of government, which always means media more bombarding us with the highs and lows of what politics are doing wrong and right. We're over it. We're just, we're totally over it. And I think we're exhausted. We just are absolutely exhausted. And I don't know how people are really going to, you know, start to see themselves get back out of this. You know, do we need another pandemic? Do we need another COVID? (laughs) So we can all sleep. (laughs) so that we can all shut down for a little bit. I think what we need, and I'm not saying this is going to cure all our hyper fatigue, 
But I think what we all need is some really strong boundaries. Boundaries with scrolling on our phones. I am so guilty of this. I'll stay up to 11 o'clock scrolling on TikTok. I don't need to do that. I don't need to over consume content. And this is what we're doing. It's on our phones. It's in our ears. It's in, on our emails, on the TV. We need to put boundaries in place. And from my point of view, go outside and connect with each other and connect with like the environment. It's honestly the best energy boost you can have. And just an FYI to any of my friends listening, I'd love to connect with you (laughs) around the hours of like 2pm to about 5pm and then I want to be back home. Just letting you know, just in case you're thinking that it's going to be clubbing yeah. days again. No, I'm not interested. Don't bother inviting me on a Friday night. I'm too tired. <laughs> a long lunch. Like, long lunch. Give me a long lunch. I'm- yeah. Long lunch is like the cure to socialising because you don't have to worry about a late night or if you have too many drinks and then the hangover on the next day. It's, it's the perfect balance. I saw a meme, I think it was, that said... To my friend who is now texting me, I did something yesterday, so please can you uh, respect the three-day rule, (laughs) which is I'm not going to see anyone again for three days. (laughs) And I was like, I get that. I really get that. It's almost like we've pulled the dating rule and put it into the friendships. It's like, you know I love you, you know we have this connection, but I just don't have the energy because I've got hyper fatigue. I feel guilty saying that because I know my friends have little kids and they have jobs and they have husbands and they have responsibilities and I just have a labradoodle and a boyfriend. Can I just say, when we got a puppy, it was a lot more effort than my seven-month-old baby. (laughs) (laughs) Puppies are hard work. But, look, I I think there needs to be a way that we learn to disconnect and I think exactly what you said, it's that constant connection that we now get. I have emails on my phones. I have Slack notifications. So work notifications on my phone. Then I've got Instagram. I've got people contacting me through Instagram and Facebook. And, you know, you look at the amount of mediums that my friends message me on now. Mm-hmm. Like, even it's John and I talk about it the other day and John's like, I sent you something. I'm like, okay, so where did you send it to Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp? Like which one of our chat? It's all that constant connection. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to our next guest, uh, the Goodnight Co. I bang on about the Goodnight Co. quite a lot. Um, as you said, I'm a, you know, I'm a mum. Mm-hmm. But it's been a really long time for me that I have felt, you know, work especially if you you take on all the worries of the world and you you're really into work and you're really kind of driven i think work can be exhausting and then friendships as well you know i think everyone overextends themselves so they push themselves in work to be the best person they can possibly be they push themselves in friendships never to say no exactly to your point grace you know setting up boundaries and saying it's okay to say no to that one social function i'm really looking forward to goodnight co's episode because genius when it comes to sleep she talks all around how to set up you know a perfect routine for sleep how to set up um your bedroom so that it's a, a space for sleep mm. as opposed to a space to scroll on your phone a space to have you know watch a netflix show a space to do some work though everyone does love sometimes typing in bed but it's learning to set those boundaries up and then it's also how to talk to your family about setting boundaries up as well for teenagers so 
in this episode, we really do kind of dive more into that teenage space, which is often not spoken about, and also what the consequences are of not getting enough sleep. Shay, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you in the pod. We would love to know, what was the motivation behind starting your brand, The Good Night Co.? It was nine years ago, and I think that we were um, ahead of our time when it came to really focusing on sleep because in reality, I don't think that sleep has been fully recognised even now but has only really been put on the agenda in probably the last four or five years. And it was definitely coming out of that phase of of being a new mum and Danielle, my um, my business partner and I wanted to focus on a business as, as many new mums do around children. And um, at the time, you know, we'd sort of, we were really uh, researching and looking at um, children's uh, bed linen and things like that. Mm. And that market then sort of very quickly exploded in that time. And so, you know, it was, it was still to do with sleep really, um, but in more of that sort of, I call it that fuzzy sort of nice way. And um, so we started with some silk, we started with silk, so silk pillowcases and eye masks, you know, to provide mums with that piece of luxury, I guess, at the time when it came to sleep. And then very quickly after launching, it became um, a reality that there was so much more involved than just a, a nice luxury piece of silk, you know, pillowcase or eye mask. And with a background um I was, uh, you know, had have had many careers, but one of them in the early days was uh, as a massage therapist and really had a love for aromatherapy and could see so many amazing therapeutic benefits. So then we, we naturally progressed into more and more products to help people curate um, their bedtime routine mm. and understand how important it is because, you know, when it comes to sleep and insomnia and sleeping problems, there is, a, there is no one uh, drug, quick fix solution to cure insomnia. It comes down to how relaxed are we? How can we get mm. into a re- relaxed state that allows our body to fall asleep? And that's the key to, to where we end up now. What are some of the common reasons people don't get enough sleep? And is it the same for adults and teenagers and children? Absolutely. There's some common threads that definitely intertwine between children, teens and adults. Absolutely. Um, and I think that if we also look back to the launch of Netflix, we could probably say that Netflix is the biggest competitor to sleep right now. Um, you know, if we think back to when, well, you know, Grace, you're a little bit younger than Clara and I, but if we go back pre-Netflix days and and pre-internet even, there wasn't much to do at night time. We had four TV channels to choose from. We were told what we could watch when we could watch it. Um, And, you know, so there was a lot more time for people to read, um, to spend time with their partner, to spend time with their children. They're probably as boring as this sounds, playing board games, playing cards, you know, um, running outside, do, doing, you know, maybe going and playing tennis or, or a family, you know, outing. They might have been. So, so the competition for sleep was far less. And I think that that has been a revolution that has changed the way that we um, now sleep. And that's for maybe not babies, but certainly for children, teenagers and adults. And um, I think that 
you know, apart from Netflix or any of the streaming, you know, services that are available, screen time in general. Mm -hmm. So we're competing with social media um, and also um, stress. Stress and anxiety is the number one reason why the world has sleep problems. And like I said earlier, until we can work out how to fully relax before bed, it's going to be really hard to get good sleep. So why is it actually important for us to get a good night's sleep? First and foremost, I think that it's to do with mood, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that that's a topic that's that's talked about but not a huge one. But when it comes to um, mood and whether that's for um, children or for teenagers or for adults, you know what it feels like when you don't get a good night's sleep and you wake up and your day just does not start well. You feel awful. You probably tend to feel a bit more negative to start with. You're you're combating all of those things in your head like, oh, I don't want to do that today and maybe I can change that schedule and I don't want to talk to that person because you don't feel good. And so we want to be waking up in the mornings feeling like we can tackle the world and really get on with our day. So I think mood is really important. And I think overall sleep is what is regulating all of the other things that go on for us. So if we look at the three most important topics being sleep, exercise and diet, if we don't have that combination of those three things really humming and if sleep is the one that's missing, we're probably not making the lifestyle choices that we want when it then comes to diet and exercise. So again, we're probably waking up in the morning going, oh, I might skip that, you know, gym class or whatever, because I, you know, didn't feel so well. And I'm not saying that that's not a bad thing either, by the way, if you didn't get good sleep, it's probably not a bad idea to skip the exercise and get the, get more sleep, but not if it's happening every day. I'm guilty of that because I skipped my gym class this morning. <laughs> I know, because it's so cold. Yeah, and this is the challenge. And then it's like, yes. we're, we're, and then it's trying to, you know, make that up somewhere else in, in the day. And we know that exercising in the morning is a great way to start the day to get the body moving. Is sleep more important at different ages? Because we know babies need more sleep, but personally, I need eight, nine hours sleep so I'm a functioning human the next day. Oh, definitely. And I think that, you know, the the scientific response around how many hours is required. Um, so if we're looking at children that are aged between 6 and 12, they still need 9 to 12 hours of sleep a night. That, that's a lot of sleep. Um, but teenagers also still need 8 to 10 hours. And on average, I was reading they're probably getting 6 so that is a very big um, difference. And then adults is seven to nine hours. You know, I know that I push the limit and probably, I mean, I actually go to bed early, but I wake up really early. And so I'm only, you know, getting around seven hours, but I need eight hours. I know I mm. need eight hours. So it is this really fine line. I think that as we progress into this podcast, we'll look at some other areas, but there is so much competition because we are jamming our lives full of uh, busyness and I think that that's the same thing that happens when it comes to teenagers and children as well. How do you help teenagers I guess set up a good sleep routine then off the back of that if they're only getting you know six hours sleep and I I do wonder as a parent whether even you know sometimes they're sleeping like they're sneaking in that screen time or they've got their phones they've got their iPads I know I was guilty back again, Grace, maybe not your day, but back in the day, I <laughs> I was on MSN 
messenger. I remember, you know, staying up and like messaging people and stuff. So how do you help them? How do you start setting up that really good sleep routine? And I think if we go back a step to to even before that, so we've got this perfect storm of biological, technological, and then homework. So we've got these three really competing areas because when we enter into the teenage years and, and also remember that, um, there's now the teenager so that the, what was the teenager is now happening earlier. Um, the Our biological shift, you know, so our circadian rhythm shifts during this yeah. phase and that probably doesn't stop until about the age of 22. So it sort of kicks in around the 15-year-old wow. mark to 22. And yeah. so that our biological, but our biology changes and our circadian rhythm changes in that period of time. So ultimately... Um, there's a gravitation towards teenagers wanting to stay up later. So they are wanting to probably stay up until, you know, 10, 11, midnight because of the way that they feel. And that's when they get this surge of energy and and their sleep hormones, you know, melatonin is not kicking in until later. So we're sort of in an uphill battle there as well. And then if we also look at technology, like you just said, Mm. you know, that's definitely playing a part and whether that be blue light or just light in general, plus what is happening on that technology. So is it that they're watching something that might be disturbing? Is it that they're in a group chat situation which isn't going so well? Um, so what what's happening there as well is playing a part. And then if we look at homework. And so then, then it's looking at all of those and, and weighing up, okay, well, what do we do? So in an ideal world, to answer your question, Clara, is around how do we create this environment? So first of all, we need to look at the actual environment. So Mm. is the bedroom a sanctuary? Is the bedroom a place that's set up, not with smelly gym clothes, have the sheets been changed regularly and washed and is your pillow fresh and clean, Um, you know, so that we're counteracting any um, potential allergies that might be going on as well. So making sure the bedroom environment's clean, it's cool, we want a cool room, Um, optimal temperatures around 19 degrees and we want it dark as well. We also know that teenagers love using their bed for everything. So, Mm. you know, they want to do their homework there. They want to be on their devices there, um, chatting to friends, doing whatever. And that's not ideal either because our bodies and our brain are amazing. And what happens is they start to associate the fact that the bed is used for all of these things, not just for sleep. So then when it comes to sleep, there's confusion going on, you know, well, what's going on here? So th- there is a way that we need to set the the, um, the environment up to make it conducive and then we also want to look at consistency and routine. Now, we all know that that is very challenging when it comes to teenagers. There will be people listening going, oh, yeah, right. It's, you know, then, it, then it's sitting down and working out how do we trade off maybe some things here where helping the teenagers to understand that if they, you know, they might have a drive where they want to do really well at sport or they want to do really well at their school or they want to get a part-time job. You know, there might be things going on for them that are really important and really trying to sit down and paint that picture about how sleep can help them achieve what they want to achieve in this time as well. Mm. I think as well we're we're missing out on this piece that there is so much anxiety Mm. being driven in teenagers now and and as adults and parents, I don't even know if we know half of it because if they're not sharing that information, Mm. we don't know what's going on. So we need to open up the lines of communication so we know what's going on through their day. So how does sleep affect adults and teenagers differently? 
interestingly, there's the same things really are going on. It's just that teenagers need more sleep. So as I said before, teenagers, you know, really are still requiring eight to 10 hours sleep. And so if you look at that, let's go with nine being that average mm. as opposed to maybe sort of seven. So I guess if we look at that, um, they need more sleep, but there's still all of these competing challenges. And I think for teenagers, they also, if, if we're not having that conversation about the why they need it and really helping them mm. to understand what's happening in their body and what is changing and why they need to get that sleep, then they're not prioritizing it. And then I think as well, conversely, if they've got parents that also are not good sleepers who are not prioritizing their sleep, who are constantly on their devices or working until 11 o'clock every night or whatever that might be, then it, we're not really role modeling the, the behavior that we want them to do either. That's really important. I think there's this thing around society in a way maybe COVID if I think about it has helped reverse this a little bit but we used to live in that oh I didn't you know I didn't get a lot of sleep last night and it was almost like a badge of honor mm. I mm. didn't get a lot of sleep last night I you know I was working really late I was or I was going out or whatever it is and I think it is you know, something that has been as adults, we're not modelling that very well at all. And we obviously are carrying that onto our children. And the device, the device thing is really important. Us putting down our phones, not having our phones around us so that they can see that we need to switch off at a certain time and they can switch off at a certain time. Yeah, and I've spoken to lots of parents and they, they say, well, you know, I'd love you to come in and talk to my teenagers because mm -hmm. I can't get them off my off their devices and I've also spoken to other adults who um, they actually just turn off their Wi-Fi. So they turn their Wi-Fi mm. off at nighttime and that kind of solves all their problems really. So mm. there is no Wi-Fi access. They don't have access to their phone. And, you know, that sounds really harsh to be doing mm. that. But if you have a really serious problem going on where, because I look at it think, you know, so if I've got my 10-year-old and in a couple of years' time, if that is her, I'm I'm going to bed at 9, 9.30 every night. So mm. I don't want to be waking up. I don't want to be staying up until midnight, um, you know, policing the use of the technology that's happening in the mm. home because then that's just making it really hard for everybody. So there's got to be some very firm boundaries put in place. And I think that if there were more parents, adults prepared to put these into place and it became a norm, mm. then that's going to collectively help shift the needle in what's going on. Hey, it's Grace here. Just want to quickly interrupt the episode to say it's time to start nourishing you. Join the eight-week program and get eight weeks of easy, delicious meal plans with full shopping lists. And at $5.50 or under per serve, it couldn't be more affordable to eat healthy. Each week, we'll give you a range of meals to cook that are quick and easy to prepare with minimal waste. You don't have to be a master chef to enjoy these nutritious meals. Plus fun online workouts, mentoring from industry experts, and access to our exclusive sleep school. Spots are limited. Join now. Now let's get back into the episode. So how do you start having some of these conversations? And say you are a parent of a teenager and you haven't modelled this behaviour up until now, so this is a new thing in your household because I think it's probably a lot easier for someone who, you know, is coming into this conversation and has set up those boundaries from an earlier age and has continued those boundaries. So what happens if you're one of those parents coming in cold how do you start having those conversations and how do you start just modeling the behavior? I'm guessing if you just switched off the Wi-Fi one night, there might be a 
a few things said in the household. <laughs> it might be. It would be challenging. I think that the first step is starting to role model. So the first step has to come to come down to the parents, really deciding that this is important for them, that sleep is a priority for them and that sleep is going to become a priority for the family if it's really out of control. Because I speak to lots of people where it really is out of control mm. um, and it's happening night after night. So first of all, it comes down to what are the adults doing to do this? So is that you know, where they, you come home at night time, you put your phone, your device, devices in it. You know, I've got friends who have got safes. So they've got yeah, teenagers, yeah. they have a safe that they've bought from Bunnings um, and all of the devices, including the adults' devices, go into the safe. You can put timers on it and all sorts of things. And so therefore during meal preparation time, homework time in the afternoon, you know, until after dinner, there's no device happening. Then, you know, if you need the device, because a lot of people, a lot of teenagers and a lot of ch children using devices now for their homework, mm. so then that gets used for that certain time, then it gets taken back. I think that it, there's a family meeting that needs to, mm. to, to happen as well. So really sitting down and um, working out, explaining what's happening and why we're choosing to do this um, and I, you know, provide this advice for people all the time and there is a, there is some outline that you can use and sitting down and really explaining why this is happening and as a family this is what we want to do and then consistency. So when it comes to sleep, we need consistency in our wake time and our bedtime and I think that in, in changing this behaviour then the consistency needs to happen as well. So is there a golden rule for no screen times for bed like what is the time frame for this two hours i kind of look i think that's really challenging it's challenging yeah. for me you know and you, to get the bits of work done that i'd like to do um if i want to look you know if i'm reading a research article or i want to do some shopping like you know reality that that is not a reality so i think that it's also understanding so there's also a big thing you know a lot of people talk a lot about blue light and, and mm. blue light is a challenge I also like to look at it in terms of light in general. So we really need to be regulating um, what's happening with light. So in terms of circadian rhythm, our internal body clock, the easy and simple way to explain this is that in the morning we need um, natural sunlight. So we need to step out into sunlight for probably 10 to 15 minutes um, a day, set that circadian rhythm. That turns off our melatonin production, our sleep hormone, and allows cortisol to kick in and do its thing and get us moving, adrenaline, all the things that we need to do to get on with our day. Then throughout the day, we still probably would benefit from getting some extra sunlight throughout the day, a bit of vitamin D, helping to maintain that circadian rhythm. And then at nighttime, we want to really start reducing the amount of um, artificial light that we're consuming, understanding as well how much that has changed in the last mm. 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And so we want to look at a really soft lighting and reduce screen time because the light is stimulating, so it's not allowing melatonin the hormone to kick in and we need that hormone at night time to help make us feel sleepy so if we just keep watching devices and you know our tv or on a screen it's going to be really hard for melatonin to start so then you're not feeling tired i read a study that said four out of ten australians don't get a good night's sleep are there some tools and techniques that you can share that can help people with this so I think that um, coming back to what we talked about before, even for the teenagers, and this is just general, you know, that, that absolutely crosses over. We need to consider our light. So really look at what the um, 
light looks like in the morning and in the afternoon. I think that as well when I, you know, was speaking earlier, it's about how do we go into sleep feeling really relaxed and people kind of, you know, they're maybe a little bit, there's a lot of sleep sabotage that happens and that's, you know, sleep sabotage is when you might be watching a Netflix show or you might be doing some work or something you think, oh, I just wanted another half an hour Mm. because you're not feeling tired because melatonin hasn't kicked in because you're in front of your device. And so it's also understanding that sleep sabotage and is that playing a role and how can you um, get on top of that? Um, And then making sure as well that the things around nicotine, caffeine, alcohol, sugar, so are those in check and, you know, are you making sure that they're not the things that are also interfering with sleep? And how can you create, so p- people sort of think, oh, routine, oh, you know, they always talk about sleep routines. I don't need a sleep routine. Maybe it's thinking about it differently to a routine and just thinking about how are you going to bed? Because if you think about for babies and children, you can't just put a baby or a child down and say, okay, close your eyes, go to sleep. It doesn't mm. work. We're not we're not built that way. And so it's the same for adults. You know, we need to wind down. You know, we need that time for our nervous system to defrag and to feel secure and safe. And and particularly for children, and it's no different for adults, feeling safe. There's a lot of adults who don't feel safe in their um, bedroom or in their home. So working out how to feel safe, and that could be through even just a nice little mantra or a guided meditation or something, that's a really important step as well. So we're wanting to create some beautiful wind down time before we go to bed. Having a cool, dark environment is also important. And as we touched on before, not confusing the bedroom for the children's skateboards and the washing and all of the laundry and where you do your work, really creating it as that beautiful sanctuary where you can get good sleep. So as a female as well, um, Obviously, the menstrual cycle goes through four different phases, and this would be the same with teenage girls, for example. Are there times throughout those kind of cycles where you need more sleep? Absolutely. And I think that if we think about as cycling females, you know, we work to this rhythm, which is amazing and also challenging sometimes, you know, and I think that by getting in tune with your body cycle and what's happening, and again, it's going to be very different for me as to you, Grace, and as to you, Clara, um, and understanding and tracking that I think is the first thing so that you know where your phases are at. Um, you know, leading into ovulation, you're going to feel um, more energy. You know, you're going to, you know, potentially maybe you do need a little less sleep because you've got a lot more energy. And then in the, you know, your second phase and is when you're going to start to really feel more inward. And, you know, there's a lot of um, traditional practices that are now coming through as well where a lot of people um, won't do exercise on their first day of bleeding. Um, It is a great time to go very inward and to really take extra special care of what is happening for you and your body. And that might be a time where you need, um, you you know, you need a home day and you need to just relax and rest and not push yourself so hard. And I think that if we could look at, uh, if you know, if we are tracking that and just change the way that we exercise, sleep, rest, eat, take care of ourselves in different ways across this period, 
then we're going to get so much more um, benefit out of it. You mentioned before how important sleep is in combination with exercise and healthy eating, but how important is it to our physical and mental health? I think that sleep is the most critical part. And I think that if we are not um, getting the right sleep, then it's potentially in inhabiting our ability to um, to exercise to our full capacity. And, you know, it's also things like understanding that balance between exercise and recovery. And um, because that also plays this beautiful role into sleep. And are we making sure that we are also looking after our tissues and our ligaments and our joints and all of these other things that are not just when we think about exercise, we tend to think about, um, you know, the, the really external benefits of how it makes us uh, look maybe as opposed to how it makes us feel. And I think that if we were to tune in a little bit more about how uh, exercise makes us feel as well, then that's really thinking about the skin. Like if we think about our skin being the biggest organ in our body, mm. how are we taking care of that and touch and massage? And that can all be done. You know, you could go and see a regular practitioner, which I think is highly recommended. I think that creating this beautiful self-care routine where you've got a team of people that you regularly proactively see um, is a great way for preventative medicine. But I think that as well, if it's not something that you can necessarily afford because we can't all, it's very expensive these days to do all of these things, um, then you can do it yourself. You know, I do it as part of my program. I work with a health coach and we spend you know, out of the the full exercise program, we spend two days, two of, two of the six days, um, on a roller and self-massaging and using a heat rub and things like that to really make sure that the skin and the ligaments and our joints and, and, and our bones are also being looked after. Having sleep also is where so much repair work happens. And so I think that if we're doing all of this beautiful external work around exercise, then it's also looking at using sleep properly as that recovery mechanism, which is where all of the work happens. So they often um, talk about thinking about your brain at nighttime is like a car wash and um, it's getting this beautiful, so all your lymphatic system is getting washed every night. So all the toxins are getting washed away if you're allowing yourself to get that full amount of sleep. So, you know, that's a 24-hour that's a cycle. It's pretty amazing. So if you're struggling with anxiety or depression, how does sleep help with that? Bit of a chicken and egg scenario when it comes to, I think, um, anxiety and sleep. And so are we not sleeping because we're stressed and anxious or are we stressed and anxious and not sleeping? And sometimes that's really hard to work that out and it's the whole gamut, it's the whole piece that's going on. And so I think that, I don't know about you, but I know for me personally, when I am feeling quite stressed, all I want to do is sleep. I can almost use it as like, I just want to shut off the world and not have to think about what's going on. And if I go to sleep, great. Now I'm a good sleeper, but I do know, and I have had, you know, absolutely periods in my life where sleep has been compromised because I have felt stressed and anxious. And this comes back to relaxation. How can we calm our um, nervous system down to a state where we do, where we, where we can feel the levels of anxiety drop? And so, coming into this sleep environment, feeling really relaxed, and finding techniques that work for you. So, whether that be meditation, uh, breathing techniques, 
a beautiful bath or a warm shower or using aromatherapy. So some people are going to be more sensitive to different senses. You know, it might be an audible thing, it might be visual, might be, um, you know, smell, touch, So, or, or it might be a combination of all of those things. But using those because when we are getting good sleep, we are going to find it easier to cope in general because we've filled up our cup essentially and we are making sure that our all of our system, as we mentioned before, is in that full recovery mode because we've had enough sleep. So when we wake up, we feel like we can cope with the day. What else is going on during sleep that is so important to us? What is our body actually doing during sleep that needs that full nine hours? Full um, circadian mm. rhythm diagram. And if you have a look at that, it, it has it's a clock. So it's a 24-hour mm. window and it talks about all of the things that are happening in our body, so our organs, our hormones. There are certain triggers that are happening throughout this 24-hour cycle. So, for example, in the afternoon between 1, 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. and then again in the early mornings between about 1 and 3 two and three is when we have a natural dip in energy. So mm. our body temperature changes, um, you know, we call it the 3 p.m. slump uh, in mm. the afternoon and the same thing's happening overnight. And so when we have this natural dip in energy um, during the afternoon, this is also a time where we want to think really carefully about it and are we reaching for the snack jaw and yeah. perhaps choosing the wrong food because we just need that energy pick me up is it the caffeine is it a sugary drink is it chocolate lollies or whatever the clutch might be and thinking about how we can replace that because we really don't want to be stimulating that close in the afternoon towards mm. bed so we all we know how caffeine caffeine has a half-life of six hours so that's going to be really challenging if you're having a coffee, you know, generally after 2, 3 p.m. Instead of doing that, we want to think about things like getting up and going for a walk outside, listening to some upbeat music. So there's such a beautiful correlation between, you know, really high energy music and giving yourself that boost or that lift, making sure you're staying hydrated. So there's some different choices that we could be making in the afternoon. And then if we look at as well, so often we talk about alcohol and sleep and how this is being affected. So again, between two, probably 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. in the morning is when our livers are doing their best work. Mm -hmm. So they're in their full detoxification mode. And the challenge with when we're drinking maybe regularly or drinking too much alcohol, the body's already trying to process all the toxins that it normally has to do out of the body and secrete those. If we're layering alcohol into the mix, maybe it's extra sugar, things that maybe don't agree with us and the body's trying to, then the body's got to work doubly as hard to us to excrete those toxins and it can't do its normal functionality. So there are so many things that are actually happening behind the scenes. And this is why our bodies are absolutely amazing. Mm. And I don't know, you know, I feel that during school, there's such a miss of information that could happen in this stage of really helping people to understand what's happening in their body. Mm. And then we might think differently and make some different choices around what we're doing in a lifestyle to, to help support all of this. Because I know that I certainly want to be living optimally in my 80s and 90s. Um, and to get to that state, you know, I'm mid-40s, this is the time where we really need to start making those shifts and thinking about what are we doing now that's going to help support us later. So 50% of people between 25 and 55 are burnt out in their job. 
Two of the signs you have spoken about are tiredness and struggling to fall asleep. What is your advice to our listeners who are feeling burnt out? Such a big area, Grace, and I feel like... um, you know, and I do think it's a little bit to do with COVID. We've sort of come off the back of COVID and there's this new normal trying to work out a rhythm and, you know, so many people made lots of sea changes. And then and then I also feel that we've slipped back into some bad habits of getting really busy again and that the social calendars are filling up and, you know, everybody's wanting to travel overseas and do all these things. And, and I I wonder if we could go back a little bit into that time where we had more time to really just mm. sit and be and think about what it is. And I do feel that the world is shifting. I think in 2022, you know, there's been some big things, big changes happening. Um, and I think that people need do need to just reassess. And, and honestly, if we could all take a few things off our plate and really work out what it is that lights us up and brings us joy and makes us happy, we probably wouldn't feel so burnt out and so fatigued because I think that also there's a lot of pressure from a lot of organisations and whilst hybrid working and working from home is fantastic, I do think that a lot of people also um, feel more stressed and more anxious because there's no clear boundaries either around our expectations and what we should be doing. So it's really getting that, that boundary check in place taking a moment to work out what it is that makes you happy and are you doing that? And if you're not, then that is definitely probably contributing to the feeling of burnout and fatigue. It's an interesting one as well because you could easily say the same thing for kids, right? So during Mm. COVID, they weren't able to go out and play soccer on a Tuesday night, violin on the Wednesday you know, they've got a play date maybe on the Thursday, Friday, they've, you know, they're off for the weekend with their family. So they've got to do some stuff. And then Saturday, they've got netball and, and on goes, right. And I think that's the problem exactly to your point. They, we've added so much into our lives and our kids' lives to just keep them busy and keep them, what we think is to keep them happy. And maybe there is some balance that is needed. Yeah, and then it comes back to social media. There's a lot of FOMO that is very real, mm. and you know that. And I, I sort of bring it. I often talk about that that old school terminology, keeping up with the Joneses. I think mm. everybody's trying to keep up with the Joneses, and they're seeing it more, more obviously. It's more in your face mm. um, around what people are doing, and there's some beautiful things, and it's great inspiration. And but then it's the check. It's the check in, and yeah. I think that um, I recently. Uh, finished my meditation teacher training and I was in India at the end of last year for a meditation retreat and the the key thing that I learned and took out of that was the check-in so Mm. how we can take this and use this throughout the day and then you know throughout the week or whatever we want how we want to use it but checking in with yourself and taking a moment to to see how you feel and see how you feel about your burnout and your fatigue Mm. and if that is real then what can you do about changing it because we are the masters of our ship and we are the only ones that can make the changes. And this comes back to sleep as well. If we want to make changes, we are the only ones that can do it. We can get all the advice in the world and we can, and it's so important to feel like you're being um, supported in that journey, Mm. but ultimately you've got to make some pretty hard calls and there's going to be some give and take. So there's going to absolutely be some things you're going, some changes that you're going to have to make because what you're doing is not working. Um, and 
sitting down and checking in about what that might look like for you. Thank you so much for your time, Shaya. And um, we'll link a lot of the stuff that you spoke about and also the Goodnight Co in the show notes below so that everyone can go on and check it out and also check out some of your great products that you've got, which have aid in all hosts of sleep journeys. So thank you. Thank you so much. It was lovely to um, connect with you both this podcast please give us a five-star review and share it with someone who you think would benefit from it we want to help as many people as possible live healthier lives this podcast is general in nature we aren't doctors or health practitioners but if this podcast has prompted something for you we really encourage you to make an appointment with your health practitioner and get advice that is tailored to you this podcast is recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples.